listening to the Arsenal Rumble. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arsenal Rumble, where today we're going to be talking about the nothing short of chaotic events that went down at the Emirates Stadium on Saturday. Uh, but first, I just want to say I hope you've all had a brilliant bank holiday weekend. And uh, to help me talk through the events that went down is my co-rambler, Dave. How are you doing, Dave? You OK? Yes, mate. I'm all good. Thank you very much. Um, I must admit, I didn't actually get a chance to watch this game um, as I was uh, busy this weekend. So just sort of a little bit of a warning if I'm a little bit hazy. Uh, I've obviously watched like back the highlights and things like that. Um, but if I'm a little bit hazy, then um, that's why. But yeah, really good, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. And to be honest, if there's a game that you could have done without watching, it probably was this one uh, when it when it came towards the end result because I was spitting feathers when the when the final whistle was blown. But um, yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, I think as I described it before, as chaotic, it was pretty much chaotic from. I'd say from the first whistle, but from about 50 sec- 58 seconds in <laughs> until the last whistle, we uh, we really, <clears throat> really did not give a good account of ourselves. But um, before we get straight into the game, let's talk about the team sheets. Um, yeah. Kivior started at left back today. What were your thoughts on that? No, I'm, I like Kivior at left back. Um, I, I don't mind that. I think he, he offers um, a bit more... He just sort of solidifies that left-hand side a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm completely fine with that. It's just when we persist with the, the party inversion on the other side that, that I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Kivio, I'm happy with. Parte, I just think... I mean, there's a massive debate over this on social media. I've seen it everywhere. Um, you know, is, is it what Arteta's doing with Parte the right thing? And in my opinion, it isn't. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't think it's working because to a, to a degree it is working. It's just I think he's better. He, he would better suit the team back in his natural position. And that again, it doesn't mean I'm saying that it needs to be Havertz, the one that's scapegoated out of this team. I just think we need to find a way to keep Partey in midfield alongside Declan Rice and just sort of go back to basics, really. We, why, why are we trying to change things? It, it wasn't broke, so I, I don't understand it. Um, so, the, yeah, the Kivior thing, perfectly happy with. Um, I think, you know, Tommy Asu has obviously had his suspension. Uh, Zinchenko is not 100% fit. Tierney has now left the club and joined Real Sociedad <laughs> on loan. So, it, it, he really is the, the next man in line. And yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. What about you? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Really, when when we're talking about Kivior, he he's always shown a pretty good account of himself whenever he's played. Um, more than competent defensively, he he's not as adept as Zinchenko when it comes to creating opportunities and pushing the team forward. But nobody has really expected him to fulfil that that role and step into those shoes. And like you say, whilst Partey is doing the inverted role on the opposing side, then he doesn't really need to be doing that anyway. Um, 
But yeah, it just seemed quite strange, the whole if it's not broken, don't fix it thing, because we seemed like last season we had stumbled across a sort of system, a formation that really did work and it was so effective. And our only downfall really was squad depth. And it looks like in the transfer window, we've strengthened those areas so that we could be really effective and never have a problem to be able to start this formation and we're just not seeing it being played we have the players there to be able to do it but it's it's like Arteta has looked at the team and thought we need a reshift we need to change our our mentality we need to change what we're doing but why if it's worked so well it got us to the point where we were challenging for a title why do we then need to go and change things up? I, I, I do understand there's there's an evolution to football and to a certain extent where teams start to cotton onto what you're doing, then you need to m- maybe have a shift. But if you do that to your own detriment and leave yourself vulnerable with maybe like a weaker defence or you're playing midfielders in defensive roles um, and it's going to leave you exposed whilst you're also taking that creative midfield maestro of Thomas Partey out of the area where he's effective going forward, then you're literally weakening us in two areas of the pitch. So that is that is something which I have found quite frustrating and it, it does actually echo what I'm saying when, when you get into this game because there there were a lot of a lot of times, a lot of opportunities where we couldn't really break the lines where Thomas Partey would have been able to do in a normal situation. Um, and like you say, I don't really want to scapegoat anyone. And I know I've talked quite negatively about this player um, over the last couple of games, but Kai Havertz, I think he does deserve a little bit of stick for this game. Um, just because there were especially in the first half, quite a few opportunities where the ball was rolled across <laughs> rolled across the box to him from Bukayo Saka and he'd either stop his run, halt his run and he couldn't get there or he would get on the end of it and it would go wide. I think he had a, 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 toe, a toed effort from about two or three yards out, which then went wide as well, but... Not even just that, it's his all-round game. It's it's the the things that we saw from Granite Xhaka that we took for granted last season, that those kind of storming runs, the the ability for him to make the reverse pass into Martinelli behind the back line. We're just not seeing any of that. We're not seeing the creativity. We're not seeing the ability to make those runs and we're not seeing the, the, the passing accuracy on the ball either. So, or, or even... Goals. <laughs> as we as we are talking, Havertz, in my opinion, hasn't brought anything to this team, and I just have to vent that frustration. Yeah, no, nah, I, I think all Arsenal fans are within their right to be able to criticise Havertz after this this game, in particular as well. It, it didn't. It isn't clicking yet. There are signs, um, and I think he just needs a goal or a couple of goals. You know, just to sort of get the fans off his back a little bit because it's fair to say that the fans were quite 50-50 when he came in. He came in for a lot of money and that's always going to put pressure on on any player's shoulders. So we we do need to be patient with him. That doesn't mean he's immune from criticism uh, and he does deserve it after after this performance. Um, but, you know, going back to this this party thing, it, I don't think him being in the team is... is uh, because of we're trying to get Havertz in the team, I think I think it's more a case of Arteta's just got some real belief in Kai 
and he is getting him in the team and he would be in the team regardless. Um, he's the one player that seems to be the first name on the team sheet at the minute. It just doesn't coincide with performances. And this is the one frustration I have with Arteta, that he doesn't seem to reward previous performances with starts uh, and game time in general, to be honest. Um, Eddie Nketiah is another prime example of that. Had one of his best games against Forest, um, And... I know he missed a couple of sitters or one in particular was was a was one he should have buried um but uh or am I thinking of the previous game either way he's on good form um and yet he then opts to start with Trossard who I was banking on him starting Trossard earlier in the season when he had such a brilliant preseason and then he decides to bench him at, at them times he he seems to do the exact opposite of when a player's in form um for me, that doesn't quite make sense. Um, so that is certainly a frustration I have with this with this um, particular game. And, mm. and, you know, we've not even mentioned Big Gabby at the back. You know, why are we persisting with not playing him? I, there must be something that we're all unaware of. Because for me, Gabriel and Saliba had one of, if not the best centre-back partnerships in the Premier League last season when they were playing together. And to break that up, to accommodate, to, you know, to bring Ben White in, in centrally and, and accommodate party at right-back just for that inversion um, for, for the right-hand side full-back just doesn't really add up for me. And I just think we need to go back to basics, get Ben White back at right-back, get them triangles going again with Odegaard, Saka and Ben White because Saka is taking a bit of a hit as well. There are big knock-on effects that are affecting our chance conversion at, up the end of the pitch. And that mm. and the statistics back that because we're dominating games in terms of possession and um, chances. We're just not putting them away. Um, so if there's anything that I want to say about this team lineup is I want to, this wants I want this to be the last we see of it to be honest I want to go back to basics and and um and start seeing more familiar team sheets that we saw last season yeah yeah I have to absolutely agree with you because when you look back to last season if you look at any team sheet from any game we generally have at least three of the same players from week to week. We're not moving different players. And, you know, you would have Ben White, Saliba and Gabriel. And then you would either have maybe Zinchenko or, like you say, um, Tommy Asi would come in every now and then. But as a whole, that back line was pretty much unchanged. And what we're seeing at the minute is we're having different personnel coming in at left back, which don't really know what sort of role they need to do if they need to step up or if they need to tuck in. Uh, you've got Ben White, who's at centre-back, but he's also trying to play his right-back role, which he doesn't really have the freedom to do that like he did last season, because last season he's got Saliba in the right centre-back role, and Saliba can cover a lot of ground. But, you know, no matter how good he is, he can't do both the left centre-back, right centre-back, and cover for right-back when Ben White's there. He can't cover three positions at once. So we, we even saw it at the start of this game, 58 seconds in, Ben White then moves into his right-back position, which he's more comfortable with. 
and then we we have like these automatisms we do players just pass balls into spaces where they expect players to be Saka then got the ball and I don't even think he looked he passed the ball where he would then expect Saliba to be because he's using that right centre back position but unfortunately because Ben White had gone from right centre back to right back they left a massive gap there and it was just a silly mistake and we got well we got punished for it 1-0 within a minute but these are the sort of things the systems that you've worked on you know, training session after training session to just get them to click because those are the little triangles that we we make those little passes, zip it about, then that would then go through to the midfield and then we'd start a counter attack from right to left via going through the the, the centre backs. But it's really frustrating that you've you finally learned a system and then you have to then unlearn it to then try and learn a new system. Uh, it's just not working. And it, it is interesting what you say as well when we're talking about the striking option of, of not playing in Ketia. He, he scored in his first game. He had a really good game in the second game. I know he didn't score, but he I think he won the penalty, didn't he? Or he was, yeah. he was really buzzing all over the pitch for that. And for him to not get a start, he's got to be thinking, do I have to score every single game or else I'm going to get dropped? Because because it's, it's so frustrating. It, even when we have Gabriel Jesus in the team, he doesn't have to score. He didn't have to score for, what, nine games in a row and he was still getting played. So um, yeah. that's that just seems a bit unfair to Eddie, especially when he's played as well as he did. Um, but mm. also, that being said, I... I can't lie, I was one of the people that was saying during pre-season that I wanted to see Trossard um, start and play in that striker role just to see how he would manage. Um, on this, uh, on on today, not today's game, sorry, <laughs> on Saturday's game, I don't think he really fulfilled that role very well, did he? He didn't, no, he didn't cover himself in glory, did he? Let, let's be honest. Um but, you know, this is like I was saying earlier, Like we, we opted not to start a Trossard and give him minutes when he was bang on form after pre-season. We've let him sort of stagnate a little bit on the bench. Um, and and this is what you get. So maybe some lessons to be learnt um, in, in playing players when they're, they're firing and, and, and on form. Uh, we've got the squad to be able to do that now. Um, we've got a lot of a lot of players um, and maybe we should be playing them on form, on merits. So, yeah, I, I do think that is something that Arteta needs to improve on. And um, yeah, I do think Trossard up top is something that we will utilise in some games. Um, and on paper, I, I don't think you can really argue with it. It, it should have really worked at home against Fulham. Um, just for whatever reason, it didn't. Um, so it's it's just one of them, really. Um, but you you did just mention uh, Jesus being back, and I think that's also um, worthy of of talking about slightly because you know he's recovered extremely quick, and and that's going to be a big boost um, to Arsenal and to our starting lineup because he is one of the first names on the team sheet. I do, uh, I can't help but feel a little bit sorry for Eddie now because. We, we were starting to see those performances and it wasn't rewarded with the starts. He did come off the bench and um, obviously um, contribute to a, a goal. So that's something that we've been crying out for from Eddie. Can he, can he do it from the bench? Can he provide an impact? He's done that. So that is a big tick in the box. We'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, 
So hopefully we can rely on that going forward and um, start to integrate Jesus back into the team. But how happy are you to see to see Jesus back from his injury so quick? Oh yeah, I'm massively happy. I think the the time that he spent out of last season, um, there was a few games where Enketia stepped up to the plate and managed to score but after he had that purple patch we really did struggle with creativity and, and especially in that striking uh, centre forward position so to have a player of Jesus's quality come back into the team is, is only going to help us um, and I, I think there's no real debate uh, Enketia he's playing well but if Jesus is fit he's got to play because like, like I said before, even if he's not scoring, he's creating chances, and and we're we're still winning games when he's playing. So hopefully he's, he comes back and he's fit and he doesn't get injured again. Um, but yeah, I do feel a little bit sorry for for Eddie. Um, it seems like he never really gets the look of the draw, and even when he does end up coming back and coming onto the pitch and scoring, it seems unlikely that he'll start because Jesus is now fit. <laughs> but it's just that's just what you got to do when you're a second second string striker for a, a top top tier team. Um, yeah. Well, whilst we're on the on the subject of uh, of Eddie, I, I would just like to say, just talking about his performance as a whole, when when him and Fabio Vieira came on today, um, I keep saying today. I know it was on Saturday when him and Fabio Vieira came onto the pitch. They absolutely changed the game for this for this Arsenal team. Um, and I know you didn't watch the game, so you probably don't really see this in the replays or, or in um, match of the day or whatever. But the influence that they those two players had straight away, the impact that they made was incredible, really. And it's something that we have been dying to see off, especially Fabio Vieira and especially from the bench. Um, we're used to him being quite passive when he comes on and not wanting to take too many risks. And he, we really did not see that when he <laughs> when he came on on Saturday. He, he got the ball. He was putting in good crosses straight away, putting good through balls, taking players on, going down the left, cutting on the inside. And it was like, hang on a minute. Is this... This the thirty-five million pound player that we'd we thought that we'd bought because this is not what we'd seen before. Yeah, exactly. And and these are two players that had been sort of branded with um, the sort of stigma that they weren't providing impacts uh, from the bench and even from the starts. Uh, so um, the fact that they're able to do that in this game and sort of get us back into it, get us leading, um, just shows what they're capable of. And just looking at Vieira's sort of reaction after he made that assist for Eddie, he just sort of stood there like proud, like looking into the crowd. And I just thought, you know, it felt like a bit of a moment for him. Uh, and I hope it is a, a turning moment for him because, yeah, like you say, we spent a lot of money on him, a uh, relative unknown from a, not a top league. Um, so it does take time for players like that to adapt and, Hopefully, this can be the start of um, something new for Fiera because he has been, like I say, tarnished with a little bit of um, a bad rep. So, yeah, fingers crossed that Ateta can recognise that um, and start giving him some more minutes because there are a lot of players in that position. You know, Smith Rowe is a player that we haven't even seen this season and he's now mm. starting to be heavily linked away from Arsenal. Um but there's a lot of players in that in that sort of role. Havertz, Trossard, Smith Rowe, you know, 
Odegaard, they're all in that sort of role and that sort of mould. So he's got a lot of competition. Um, can he now, um, you know, prove that on the pitch? So we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, well, he's certainly doing everything for his case if he's putting in performances like that, especially when they change the game. Because I think at the time that he came on, we were losing, and then within five or ten minutes, we were we were winning because we went from a losing position and he won the penalty, by the way, for us to, to get the penalty, which Bikayo Saka <laughs> has taken after we had that lengthy discussion on the last podcast about how we think it, we're so glad that Odegaard is now taking penalties and we're, we're, we're happy for that to then continue. And just when you mm. do expect something to be a norm in this Arsenal team, it then gets changed again. Um, so there's <laughs> nothing, nothing that we can really do to predict these sort of things. But I, I have seen retrospectively, apparently Saka and Odegaard have a conversation on the pitch at the time and they just say who's feeling more confident, whoever wants to take it, and then they just kind of decide between themselves. So that, that's fine. As long as... Um, as long as I'm not going crazy of having to try and predict a penalty taker for my fantasy team every week. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, just saying, so Fabio Vieira, he wins the penalty and then he creates an unbelievable pass assist for Eddie Nketiah's goal and suddenly we're 2-1 up. And then not long after that as well, he collects a ball from a breakaway that we were under pressure, um, collects the ball, and then nicks it round to a player to Eddie Nketiah, who then nicks it round their last man, who gets a second yellow, and then they get a red card. So those two players, again, creating and causing chaos for that 10, 15-minute period. And we were suddenly from a losing position into a winning position and an extra man on the pitch. And it looked like at that time, you know, it was asked to lo- it was asked to lose. <laughs> And this is the most frustrating bit because we've we've done all the hard work. We've got ourselves back into that uh, winning position. We've even you know put the cherry on top of the cake by getting them down to ten men um, and making the the final twenty twenty five minutes of the game relatively easy uh, on paper. Um, but you know, it just didn't transpire that way, did it? We sort we sort of um, went back into our old habits of just not controlling the game. And um, ultimately, this game was only... We were only ever going to concede goals um, that we sort of create from our own mistakes. Uh, And that's exactly what sort of transpired today. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a frustrating one. And I just remembered something. I just wanted to go back to the first goal uh, that they scored in the opening 60 seconds. Um, Ramsdale, I, w- I really wanted to get your opinion on this because this seems quite split um, across the fan base. Some are saying um, should have done better, his positioning wasn't great. Uh, and obviously some are also saying bit of a fluky one from uh, the player, oh, I can't remember, Pereira is it? Um, is that how you pronounce his name? A uh, bit of a fluky one, looked like a cross that sort of tur- like luckily went in um, and there's not a lot that Ramsdale could do about it. Curious to to know what your opinion is on that one. So I actually think that Ramsdale does everything that he could and should do quite well. He gets out to the ball really quick and he, he meet, makes Pereira have to make that decision. Um, and he doesn't have the option to go around Ramsdale uh, and he's forced to then 
take a shot from outside the box. And from Pereira's body position, he looks like he's either going to try and curl it round the keeper or go for a chipped shot. And I think either of those things, Ramsdale is a pretty good chance of trying to cover that. Um, but I think what's helped Pereira is, like you say, I think he's scuffed it. I think he's miskicked it. And it's actually gone well for him because no one... When, when you when you try and hit a ball near post, you don't try and curl it that way because more often than not, it will bend out and actually miss the target. So I think he's miskicked his shot and it's worked to... Well, very jammy. And um, I think Ramsdale, you'd be... It would be harsh to criticise him too much because ultimately it was an Arsenal mistake by Saka. He's then had to leg it out of his goal. You could maybe say he should be a little bit more advanced, but then when he does do that, there's always the potential that he could get lobbed from the halfway line, which a lot of players um, like I think Gibbs White had a go at trying to do earlier in the season and players cotton on to that kind of thing. So I think he gets out well. He's just really unlucky that the player scuffs the shot and it ends up going past him. Yeah, there's, there's no way in, on hell that he meant that, is there? Um, so I think you have to chalk it down to a really unfortunate one. Um, the mistake is still Arsenal's because of obviously the build-up and how Saka just gave it away so cheaply. Um, but I don't think we can really point fingers at Ramsdale too much. I think what's on a lot of fans' minds is the fact that we've got a new signing, a shiny new signing, David Raya on the bench. And um, people probably, or some people, um, want to see that um, and, and are starting to maybe point fingers when it's not really uh, the situation or the time to. Um, so I don't think, yeah, we can blame him too much. But yeah, yeah I'm. Yeah, we obviously agree on that one. Um, yeah, that I just, I just sorry to bring it back to that. I just had it had that on my mind. I wanted to <laughs> make sure I bring that up. No, 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 that's absolutely fine. I would be interested to know as well what what do people expect that David Raya would be able to do in that situation that Aaron Ramsdale didn't? You know what I mean? It's it's literally textbook. He's doing exactly what he could and should do, and ultimately the chance has been conceded from a stupid mistake from an outfield player, which wasn't caused by the keeper. And that's the only thing that I feel sorry for keepers because they get a lot of they get a lot of bad rep when when the scoreline's not too handsome, if they don't get a clean sheet. But a lot of the time when keepers don't get clean sheets, it's due to defensive areas that have nothing to do with them. You have you have all the right to give them a lot of grief when they make silly mistakes like Ramsdale last season when he passed it out, I think it was in the West Ham game. That was his fault. But when it comes from an out, outfield player, and especially when it comes from the formation of the team not being in the same structure as usual. And then, like I say, Saka passing it into a space where he expects a player to be and there isn't, then there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a chance conceded. So yeah, you can't you can't give Ramsdale any any grief for that. But um one thing that talking about the second goal that we conceded, which was from a cheap corner, this also came from an outfield player who who who'd I wouldn't say a mistake, but I think he was just kind of very lackadaisical, just dawdling on the ball. And that was Zinchenko, which is pretty unfortunate considering he's been one of the players who's so technically sound on the ball and you expect a lot more from him. But this this could be just him being rusty and getting back up to speed. But basically he gets the ball, he's trying to carry it out 
And then he just kind of turns around and he gets caught on the ball by none other than Adama Traore, who's no slouch, who then burns down the right-hand side like we know how he can do that. And um, he gets into the box and wins a corner. And then ultimately, from not having any pressure on us at all, we're winning 2-1. They've got one man less. And then all of a sudden, they've got a chance to create a goal from a corner, which they do. And uh, Paulinho ends up... um, converting the chance which is a really good finish to be fair from him uh, it's not understated that was a really good finish but he was unmarked on the in the box the whole run was unmarked so I know we do this sonar marking thing but there's got to be some kind of authority to say okay if that man runs in I'm getting there you know, it's so cheap isn't it like you've got to be I think even Arteta said it in his post-match conference like you've got to be fighting you know you've got Three minutes left of normal time plus injury. These are the moments where you're absolutely fighting like warriors, especially from set pieces like that. Um, cheap corner. It was a great delivery um, from uh, Reed, I think it is. Um, but for it to go all the way through and land on someone's boot, you know, that is, that's criminal. You know, we can't be letting that happen. Um Evade's the first defender. I can't remember who it was. I'll have to watch that back, but I don't know who it was. But it evades the first man on uh, the front of, of, of the box or the zone. It's far too easy. Um, good finish uh, by Polina, who is a good, very good player. Um, I do think um, he's one to watch for the future. I think he'll end up getting a, a big move one day because he does look a brilliant player. Um and they get the the cheap equaliser moments after get going down to ten men. It's just it's so disappointing. Um, and yeah, I just it's it's a frustrating one. We shouldn't be letting things like that happen. And it could have been even worse, you know. Moments later, Adama Traore bombs down again from a cheap bit of play. I, you'll have to forgive me. I can't remember the play. I I, I want to say Zinchenko could be wrong. Um, Either way, it gets given away cheaply and he almost runs the full length of the pitch. Uh, and if it wasn't for a brilliant save from Rambo, we could be talking about a loss right now. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it yeah. is, uh, it's just frustrating. I think I think in that instance, it unfortunately actually was um, Fabio Vieira. I think he expected to win a foul in that position, um, and he the ref the ref didn't blow for a foul. So then Adama Traoré was then released, and Saliba. To be fair to him, he uh, he gets back quite quick. But even you know, even he's not going to keep up with Adama Traoré. And like you say, Ramsdale, who wasn't at fault for the first or second goal, he had no involvement in them. He kept us in it to keep a point for this game. So that was an unbelievable save by him. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where if you want to be winning titles and you want to be fighting right to the end, I know, it, I know it's so early in the season, but the margins are so fine in this game. And all the while we're conceding points in the last few minutes of time, you have the likes of Manchester City who are doing the opposite and they're winning games right at the end. And it's it does make you a bit sick to your stomach because you just know that they're inevitable, but it never feels like we are. And until we have that that fear from other teams, that respect, that understanding that you always assume that Arsenal are going to nick it at the end or you always assume that Arsenal are going to hold out, 
you just have that soft underbelly, don't you, where teams feel like even if they're a man down, then they can still get back and get another chance at you. And it's we need to try and stake a claim in all these games and just put a, a foot on it and say, no, this is the game, it's dead. 2-1, you're not getting the ball back, you're not getting any corners. We're going to just pass the ball around the back and you know, get the three points, move on to the next game. But uh, it's a real, really big two points drops in this game, I think. It is. It is. Bottom side team in the Premier League at home it is two big points dropped. Um, there's going to be much tougher fixtures to come. And um, we're going to have to now try and win some of those. Uh, well, we're obviously going to try and win them all. But I mean, it's it sort of, it, it means that we've got to get points in games where we're less likely to, if that makes sense, to try and bridge the gap. Um, so, yeah, um, frustrating one. But, you know, the next game is up against United and I think that is going to be uh, a chance for redemption and a chance to sort of really stamp our authority on this game and go back to basics like we were talking about earlier. Um, and... Um, Hopefully that can be sort of the the sort of spark to, to reignite this team and, and sort of build from that. Because at the minute, even though we haven't lost yet, it just doesn't seem like we're we're there yet. We're not that 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 powerhouse that we were last season. Yeah, something's just not quite clicking, is it? You look at the team and they don't look as confident. They don't have as much pizzazz on the ball, and they're not creating chances left, right and centre like we were last season. We're kind of almost getting into the lead through penalties and through scuffy goals and set pieces and that kind of thing. We're not playing teams off the park and being free-flowing football like we were last season, which is really unfortunate because alongside having that beautiful uh, title running form it was we were, we were playing amazing football we were it was fun to watch and enjoyable whereas at the minute it just seems like every game's a struggle and yes I, I don't care at the end of the day if we, if we get three points and it goes in off someone's ass kind of thing I'm not bothered that I would be happy with getting the three points but to be having champagne football alongside getting three points, it just brings your whole footballing experience to the next level. But yeah, I do think against Man, Man United, sorry, next next week, I think that's going to be a difficult one because the only reason I say that is Man United have kind of mirrored our form to a certain extent. They've not really performed too well, especially in the opening of games. I think at the same time uh, on Saturday, they were 2-0 down whilst we were 1-0 down. And that was within four minutes of of, uh, of kickoff. So it'll be interesting to see which team capitalises and maybe starts and goes out, out of the blocks because whoever does that might actually end up being able to, uh, to hold out and get the three points in that fixture. But... Like we saw with them, they were able to fight back and, and, and nick it at the end as well. So, very interesting fixture. Yeah, it's a, a battle of two teams that ought to be fighting for the title, but aren't quite clicking yet, but still managing to get points on the board to a degree. So, yeah, it's. I'm glad we're the home team for this one, because that should mm. give us the advantage. Um, the only frustrating thing with, with being at home at the minute is the fact that there doesn't seem to be the same atmosphere as there was last season either. Um, fans are a lot quieter, um, and I'm not really quite sure why. We should be, you know, Champions League football's back. We're we're starting to 
to really compete again for the the highest honors maybe it's that i i have heard a, a, a rumor i don't know if it's true or not that the ashburton army who obviously start a lot of the songs and chants in the, in the ground their allocation has been cut so there's less of them so i don't know whether that's having an impact on that if that is true then we need to check them guys back because <laughs> they really they really do add that voice um and it's it's massive it, it, it's it's the 12th man it gives you that extra boost in in games and we, we need that advantage especially at home so um fingers crossed we can start to get the emirates sounding like it did last season again and, and really give us that boost yeah if uh, if anyone from the arsenal uh, stadium is currently listening to this then me and dave are more than happy to come along to every home game and be cheerleaders because at the minute it's impossible for us to get tickets with this ballot system so we'd be more than happy to get involved with that and, uh, and help the team along but i think there is a part of it which is the ashburton army or whatever and, and fans not being as as vocal and as rowdy as last season but i think another side of it is the fact that expectations shift we were last season there was no expectation on the team apart from trying to to challenge for top four and then when we were surpassing that and overachieving to a certain extent then everybody's on cloud nine everybody's elated you know it's a party atmosphere every time you go to the emirates because you're thinking like we're going to win and it doesn't matter if we lose because we're already ahead of where we should be sort of thing whereas now we've gone into this season with the expectation of well, we've got to be challenging for the title. So then it causes some real tense moments when we're not easily controlling games because we're expecting we should be winning every game. When that's not happening, then the crowd's nervous and the expectations are shifted. And it almost works as a counter to to how it should because, the as you say, the crowd is the 12th man. That's what helped us get into that position in the first place last season, I, I would I would say. So, yeah, and... Um, it's weird how psychology works so much in football as well. Like you say, we're winning the game, we're controlling it, and then all of a sudden, when we've gone in the lead, we're, we're then sacrificing possession and then Fulham are coming on to us, even though we've literally had the ball for the 20 minutes previous. Um, yeah. So there's all of these different factors when it comes to psychology of football. And yes, crowds are a very important side of it. Yeah. And we could have almost nicked it at the end in the dying embers of the game. Vieira, you know, the the, the man who brought it back to, to 2-1 uh, from his beautiful assist and um, and penalty. Um, cut in from the right-hand side, bends a powerful strike, um, but Leno just tips it over. And I thought that was going to be our uh, Reese Nelson Bournemouth <laughs> um, type goal, uh, but it just wasn't meant to be. No, that really would have creamed the cake on his performance, wouldn't it? I think, um, I'm not sure who it was that was in the commentary box, but they said if that had gone in, then that's probably one of the best substitute performances they've ever seen from winning a penalty, getting an assist and then scoring, well, that he would have scored a goal to win the game. That would have would have been an unbelievable um, cameo appearance from Fabio Vieira. But yeah, I think with the chaos of the game from start to finish, it just wasn't our day. And unfortunately, if you're not going to win these games, just make sure you don't lose them and make sure you get a point, move on to the next game. And 
you know, we're still, although we've not played very well in any of our games, we're still on seven points, which is the second highest total that you could possibly have in the Premier League um, at the minute because you've got City here on nine and then nobody else is on nine because Brighton got spanked, didn't they, by West Ham. So, so and uh, well, actually, I've just had a quick look at the table and unfortunately we are behind Spurs, which I'm not sure how that's happened because everyone, Everyone was expecting them to be absolutely woeful. So, um, fingers crossed that doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't happen for too long. You can't read into it too much at this um, stage of the season. Um, yeah, ultimately, we're we're still uh, undefeated. Uh, I know it's disappointing. There are learning points to take from this game and to take from all three games. It's not just this one. We've not performed in some areas in all three games um, and what I will say is I do think that we will start to click and it will start to um, be more like last season where we're just sort of going through the motions winning after winning and and you know then then we'll we'll start to see that again um, mm. at least we're not sort of because last season we absolutely smashed it up until Christmas then we started taking a little bit of a wobble then we fell off a cliff right at the end if this means we start start a bit slower, reach our peak, and then maintain that, then then I'm all for it. Um, mm. I'd rather be talking about wins at the the crunch period of the season than at this early stage. When let's face it, most teams are going through a little bit of a a change just purely because of all the new faces that arrive at, at all football clubs in the summer. So. You know, um, I do think it'll click. We just got to be patient and um, give it some time. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I feel like we're just we're just rolling into into the season and we're picking up points as we should be. And we've only dropped a couple, so we've got to stay on the positive side of things. But it's interesting what you say about um, we've played these games and we should be taking lessons from them to then move into the next game. I think as fans, we have. And I think as fans, we, we've we seen the same things as we've seen for the last couple of games altogether. Um, the problem is the person who should be taking their lessons and should be taking action because of those lessons is Arteta. And it seems like he isn't. Now, that's where the issue is, because it's clear to me um, that after this game, I would say that maybe Fabio Vieira should be starting over Havertz because... Havertz brought nothing to the team and when Vieira came on he was instantly more creative and brought so much more of an attacking threat than Havertz did. Uh, also similarly I would say that Inketi should be starting over Trossard in that area and then we should have a back four so that we're more solid and um, we're not going to concede any silly mistakes like we saw in the first 58 seconds. Now that would be me taking what I saw today and trying to plug those holes and then fix those issues and would be, would be changes in there. But so it just, I can't see that happening. I know that we're going to get into next week's game and Arteta is going to go with some sort of manufactured back three again with a artificial right back slash midfielder. We're going to have players out of positions again. And it's, it's just infuriating because he's not learning from these mistakes that we're creating for ourselves. Yeah. I think we're we're one game away, and th- and if it's a big game like um, against Manchester United, 
And if he goes with that similar formation that we've seen in the previous three games and we and we get beat, heavily beat, um, I think he'll start to get pelters, you know. There's already question marks. What what what, what is what's going on here? Um but I don't know, I'm fifty fifty. I think maybe the fact that we are now playing a, a top six team, um hopefully will revert back to something a little bit more familiar and a, a little bit more solid. Um, we need big Gabby at the back for, for this fixture and we need to go back to basics. And if that means playing with Rice and um, Partey as maybe a double pivot with Odegaard slightly ahead of them, then, then so be it. Um, I would like to see Vieira in the team. If, if he does play, it should be in replacement of Havertz 100%. That's that's what we've been talking about um, in this episode. He we need to start playing players based on their form. Vieira absolutely changed that game, and Havertz did the exact opposite. So, you know, it's a no-brainer for me. So, hopefully, that that's something that that transpires against United, and and the same goes for other players like Eddie, like you said. So, um, I do think I do think if we do do what I just said, go a bit more solid. We, we have got a very good chance of winning this game. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. We should go with the back four. We should have, you know, the double fit pivot in midfield. And then, like you say, Sakura to guard, either Martinelli or Trossard. I think I think Trossard's due a start on the left. Um, yeah. But I would, between Martinelli and Trossard, I'd happily flip a coin and have either of them start. Um, and then... Eddie Nketiah or Jesus? I feel like if Jesus has had a really good training session this week there and he's feeling fit enough to start, then I would say that he should start just because he is, you know, he's our best striker at the end of the day and you've got to start your best players. Um, yeah. Even even though you have the whole form thing, I just think he's so integral to the way that those, those front three play. Um, you can't leave him out. But it's going to be interesting and I hope that we can get three points over, over the United lads. Um, one thing that I'd like to touch on briefly as well um, after this game is the we, we've loaned out Kieran Tierney to Real Sociedad. It's just been announced and he's just did his first interviews and things there. This is something that we saw coming, didn't we? And it, it seems like the beginning of quite a sad end to Tierney at Arsenal because I can't really see him making a redemption arc from now, can you? No, I, I think what all the... the Arsenal people behind closed doors at the club would have hoped for was a permanent move away. For whatever reason, that didn't transpire. I don't think we predicted that to happen. I think we thought that there'd be a a lot of takers, a lot of Premier League clubs in for him. And for whatever reason, there hasn't been. I, I don't understand why, to be honest, because he would suit so many Premier League teams to a T. Um, and yeah, it's just not happened. So... We've gone for the next option, which is a loan. He did sign a new deal fairly recently, only a couple of years ago. So he ha- he has still got a few years left on his contract, which means a straight loan like it has been um, can benefit us to a degree. He can start to get regular football again and really show the world what he can do. And I've got full confidence that he'll do that because he is a brilliant player. He just doesn't suit Arsenal anymore. So best case scenario plays really well for Sociedad, um, gets Champions League football again, um, bumps up his price tag, and then we can move him on next summer. 
um, I think that's that's the uh, the aim uh, and the the uh, the best case scenario, and um, hopefully that's what transpires. Because uh, yeah, it's, it's, it baffles me how no one's come in for him this year. Yeah, and even for on a personal level for him, he needs to be playing football. He's at that age of his career where he can't be sitting on the bench every week and week out. He's, he is a top quality left back at, at the end of the day, even if he doesn't fit our system. It's it's like you say, a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. But um, yeah. I do actually wish him the best of luck. He's one of those players where no matter what he does or where he goes after Arsenal, you'll always be like, yeah, he was he was a nice guy. He was someone that probably could have been dubbed our captain um, for a few seasons' time, but it just didn't really quite work out the way that it should have done. Um, it has it has definite hints of Hector Bellerin, doesn't it? The way that he just suddenly fell out of favour and then got loaned out to Spain and he was potentially a captain at one point and then he's, he's gone and then loaned out and then just kind of fizzled out but um, yeah, definitely replicates that kind of that kind of thing. But hopefully, um, <clears throat> we 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 strengthen at the back, um, and Kivior can fill both of those roles—the the, the centre back and the left back role—and then we get, as you say, Tommy Asu back following his suspension. So we're not going to be slight in that area one bit, are we? Especially with with Zinchenko back to full fitness as well. So yeah, um, is there anything else that you want to add from today's game at all, or to talk about? Um, I suppose the only other, uh, while we're talking about outgoings with Tierney, I suppose we've got a few others that are on the cusp of leaving that maybe not have been announced yet, but um, are on the cards too, at least. We've got following Balogun, uh, looking very likely to um, be joining Monaco on a permanent deal. Doesn't look like we were gonna we're gonna get the price tag that we had hoped for in the in the 50 million I think that was quoted it's going to be maybe around about 10 million less than that um, but I still think that's pretty good business um, will become our record um, you know sale of a player um, beating the 35 million we got for Oxlade Chamberlain to Liverpool all them years ago um, so considering that we almost lost Balogun um, when his contract expired when in the uh, the under 21s i think that it's a good bit of business we we secured him to that deal and loaned him out got that value um, with the goals and have now made you know let's face it around about 40 million so it's a, a brilliant bit of business for me he, he was never going to get many minutes here with with um with the players we've got in his position so um mm. i'm really happy about this one what about you yeah, well, he's surplus to requirements, isn't he? We don't actually need him in the squad at the minute. And what we do need is to be offsetting the the FFP um, to be able to make new signings in the following windows. And if we don't have any outgoings, then we're, we're not going to be able to afford those future future signings. And his stock is at his highest right now. He he got that had that amazing season in Ligue 1 last season. So he's fresh off the back of that whilst he still has a fairly decent contract length uh, with Arsenal. So if he was to then run it down for another year um, and he would be out of the minds of him him having that great season, then we're not going to get as much as we would like to for him. So it's definitely the best time to sell him. Yes, I don't think you're ever really going to get uh, 50 million for him. He's, he's a young kid. Um, he's not... He's not broken into that world class or that um, even 
it, like he, he's not quite at that level yet. He's still quite raw. He's still a bit of a. He needs a lot of put polishing to be able to get into that kind of bracket of a really, really top quality striker. So I've got. Uh, I, I don't doubt that he could get there. I feel like there is a possibility he could get there. And unfortunately, if we have sold one and we don't have any buyback clauses or anything for him, then that might be another one that we end up looking at, saying that he got away kind of thing. But if he ends up being like Oxley Chamberlain and Alex Awobi, who we also sold for a handsome fee, and then their careers hasn't actually, you know, been too impactful at the teams that they've gone to following that, then absolutely great sale for us and uh, some more money in the pocket for, for further signings. I couldn't agree more. There's a few others on the cusp. We've got Tavares that's looking likely to be leaving soon. Rumours around 15 million. We've got uh, Rob Holding um, that's looking likely to depart um, before the window closes in a couple of days' time. Uh, Cedric Suarez, he's sort of on the... No one, there's not much talk around him. Um, not surprisingly, he's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've got a feeling we'll end up having to keep him. And, and maybe that is, our, you know... Backup, backup for the timber situation. Um, mm. You know, it, it could have some logic um, to keep him. Um, who else have we got? Uh, Sambi Laconga uh, once tipped to join Burnley, but that seemed to sort of fizzle out a little bit. I don't think they could quite match his wage demands. Um, so now that's a little bit up in the air. So there's still plenty to happen um, in the next few days. and It's going to be a big week. Um, but what will be curious is if we dip into the market for anybody. There doesn't really seem to be any heavy rumours at the minute circulating, but I, I'm pretty confident there will be looking at the market for opportunities, but it has to be the right opportunity. And I think we are banking on some of these players like Balogun and, and Tavares on leaving that so it frees up spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I have to tend to agree. And um, like you say, that the players that are tipped for leaving, like Tavares, Holding, Cedric, there's a reason why they are tipped for leaving and there's a reason why they've not really been featuring in our team and it's because they're not good enough, simply simply put. They, they're just not good enough to be starting or even even rotating in this team, especially Tavares and Cedric. Um, there's a time and a place for Holding and it's when you're 10 minutes towards the end of the game and your back's against the wall kind of thing. Um, but apart from that, what we've seen from Rob Holding over the last couple of seasons is you cannot rely on him for more than four or five games on a stretch. So, yeah, if we can get any kind of fee for these players, then I would absolutely snatch their hands off and uh, get them out the door and get, get the money in because there's no place for them at the club, really, without trying to sound too harsh. They're not going to elevate the team. They're not going to bring us to the next level and they're not of... They're not adequate replacements to even play in the cups, so there's no reason why we should keep them keep them on the on the wage bill. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's interesting what you say about maybe potentially getting another player in. Is there any sort of position if you could pick one position which you would really want to strengthen? I, I always sort of get a little bit twitchy when I think about a scenario. And the scenario is enough to get twitchy about, never mind the repercussions. But if Saka were to get injured, um, even just for you know a couple of months, um, what are we going to do there? 
Um, I think that the most logical answer for me is to move Jesus out to that right-hand side. We saw City did that a lot with him and it, it was very effective. We have got Eddie Nketiah to then to slot into his number nine position. Um, but could we potentially reinforce that side with with a more natural right winger uh, or maybe maybe another versatile player that can play across the line and, and, and add um, strength in depth in, in other areas too. This is what I say, it, it, it needs the right player because you know there's, they're not in abundance than, than versatile players that, that are good in, in multiple positions. So they, they are a, a rare breed. So um, my initial thoughts are, are that uh, then that you also think about the timber situation um, he's probably not going to be playing at all this season so do we dip into the market to, to or maybe a loan for example uh, just for a, for a year to get somebody into to slot in for where timber would have been um, but yeah it's it's hard it's um, it's a tricky one what about you what, what are your thoughts yeah the thing is, it's it's finding that balancing act, isn't it? When you're trying to get a player who can replace someone who's so important to a team, so integral to the way that they play, Saka isn't going to get replaced by anyone. Nobody's going to come into the team and replace Saka. But you need someone who's also adequately decent enough to step up and fill in his role and be able to do a decent job. But you're not going to have a player of that quality that wants to just sit on the bench until Saka might potentially be injured because if somebody's good enough to do Saka's role, they should be starting in a different team. So it's a really difficult one. And maybe we need to have someone who is like a versatile player, like the Trossard that steps in for Martinelli. You could have a player of that kind of that kind of ilk, but on the other side, who can then also step in centrally when needed and rotate for Saka. Because, you know, just just giving Saka a bit of a break as well would be important because at the minute he's playing every minute of every game. Um, so just having someone that can take him off at 70 minutes when you tune a lot, that would be great as well. But that that is something that I could potentially see. I, th- I know we were rumoured with Kudus, weren't we? Um, at one point, I'm not sure if those those are still hot rumours or not. Um, but he's yeah, they're West Ham. Oh, has he? Oh, wow, I'm not even in the know. Wow, that's uh, that's that seems like such a strange place for him to go as well. I know he's going to get a lot of minutes there, but wow. Okay, uh, I've lost for words. But um, also, I would I, w- I would have said we could strengthen centre back area as well, but. We're only playing one centre back at the time, at a time, so there's no real need to do that. Um, but I, I can't really see us getting anybody in before the end of the window with with any significance. Anyway, it would only be just a bit of strength and depth. Yeah, I agree. I, I think alone, the right player on a loan would make the most sense. Um, but whether that's available, I'm just completely guessing. Um, and you know it. It would take, you know, anything can happen when there's a couple of days left of the transfer window. It, this is why it's so chaotic because dominoes start to fall and sort of moves start to materialise and they move quick because of the deadline. So um, I wouldn't hold our breath, but there's there's a chance. Um, so let's uh, let's wait and see on that one. 
Yeah. Okay, well, that's probably going to uh, wrap it up for today's episode. It was two all at the Emirates Stadium, an unfortunate end to a chaotic game. We had lots of mistakes made, and unfortunately, it cost us two points. But fingers crossed Arteta has learned from some of the criticisms that the Arsenal fans are giving him, and fingers crossed he can bring us back to that the, those winning ways against uh, Man United at the Emirates next weekend. Okay, join us next time, and it will be probably on Sunday following that game. Uh, until then, catch you later. Okay, guys, bye. You're listening to the Arsenal Ramble.